Professional wrestling is the one true sport. Other sports have their share of intense dramatic moments, but nothing can compare with professional wrestling. Welcome to Wrestling History X, where three friends come together to talk about the stories behind the matches. I'm Matt. I'm Tommy Dreamers Nintendo. And I am Dean, don't call me Shane, Douglas. Welcome to episode 186, ECW Hardcore TV. Three Pete, TV show, TV show, TV show. We've done it. Maybe the first time? All three, all three uh, different promotions. Yeah, back to back to back, baby. Kind of crazy. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you know, I guess January '96 was uh, hot. Putting some good stuff on the TV. Just hot enough for TV. So this is the 145th episode of Hardcore TV, produced by ECW. The show that the footage comes from would take place on January 27th. 1996, from the ECW Arena in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, but would air on January 30th, and the show would have an attendance of 1,006 people. Uh-oh. It's very specific. Where did those other 144 go? I mean, it was right after Christmas. The money might have been tight. True. Eh, well, I don't know. Maybe they all went to go watch the Super Bowl or something. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Was the Super Bowl today? No. Oh. <laughs> Close, but no. It would have been the day after the, the footage was filmed. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. So the 29th, the day before. Oh, after, yeah. So the shit. Super Bowl was on the 28th. Okay. Yeah. The show. footage was filmed on the 27th. The show was on the 30th. It's I all, get it, I get it. It's all right there. <laughs> all the same time. Yeah, yeah. But we're back in Philly. We are. It's our first... Philly of 96? No. Yeah. Way. Really? I guess... Er, yeah. Ish. I'm trying to remember. No. We had a raw... No. House Party was in Philly. Oh, that's right. The, JK. The farewell of Public Enemy, right? The farewell. From ECW, anyways. From ECW. P.E. Out. Deuce. Yes, we are back in Philly. Not top guys. <laughs> <laughs> For the who knows how many time, 144th or something like that. Um, Feels like it sometimes. Yes. Once again, I decided to twist things up a little bit. Instead of going for the what do people eat or drink in Philly, I decided to have a drink that was inspired by someone on the show. Oh my gosh, why didn't I guess? We have a concoction here with some... The Blue Mini? No, we had the Blue Mini Teeny last time. Yeah, right. okay. Well, I was like, how you're going Blue Mini Teeny was actually pretty pretty tasty. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to lie. This one here... If that was the Blue Affiliated mini. somewhat with the Blue Mini. It has vodka. It has rum. It has Blue Curacao. And then it also has some Chambord in there. So it's just like alcohol and alcohol with a little more alcohol and some alcohol. This is like a... What is it? An L.I. Long Island iced tea? This is a... Uh, Blue Island iced tea. Something like that. <laughs> this here is known as the Raven. 
Oh. Drink one of these and you will quote nothing, never more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'll be unable to uh, talk. Pretty much. So, yeah, we'll see yeah. how this devolves as this thing is boozed I think up. Uh, as it, the ice melts on it, it may become a little easier, or as I take a couple more sips, I may pour a little of this Topo Chico in there to dilute it and thinking add the same some bubbles. Thing. Yeah, I might add some bubbles. There's a little bit of lime in the Topo Chico. Yeah. So. The, the picture that I saw in the online recipe was a lot more purple than this. This is very blue. But it looked better in the original cup that you had. Yeah. That you put it in. Yeah. Once you put it in these tall cowboy glasses. Well, it calls for a, a highball glass, but I went with a shorter glass to start off with. But then it was just like all ice and yeah. I mean, the, it's very pretty. Yeah, it's it's a pretty color. the The blue blue mini teeny was a little prettier, but I garnished this with some uh, blackberries. Cause, delicious. My favorite of the stone fruit. Yes, and there are more. In the kitchen, if you would like to add extras or just have some little snackables to cut through some of the alcohol. But yeah, the Raven. Who knew? There's a drink. I don't know if it's named after him or if it's named after Poe or probably Poe. Yes, probably Poe. It, it could be named after. Uh, wasn't there a Raven on Big Brother? Yeah. Uh, it's definitely not named after him. <laughs> yeah. I am. Ooh. It Booze. definitely has a kick. Yeah, it yeah. does. Let's let's pour some, some Make bubbles it, in it's, here. Uh, it's the sparkling raven now. There we are. Let's nice see if that does anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nice. But happening right around the same time as this episode of Hardcore TV, in fact, two days prior, the Dallas Cowboys would win Super Bowl Thirty over the Pittsburgh Steelers, giving the Cowboys three Super Bowls in four years. That's when uh, it was Aikman Smith era. And Irvin, yeah. And Irvin, yeah. I mean, Emmett Smith, cool name. Cool. I don't know. I don't know. I actually don't know if he's a cool dude, but he looks like a cool dude. Yeah, he is a cool dude. Whereas Troy Aikman's just kind of like, you know, big, tall, nerdy cowboy. Emmett Smith just has that. It's like Barry Bonds always seemed like a, the cool guy, and Emmett Smith's kind of the cool guy of football. Uh, back when the Cowboys... You got swag. Cowboys were a... Uh... Actually good. A legacy, a dynasty, whatever the hell you want to call them. Yeah, this um, was uh, when Barry Switzer was actually the head coach of this one. Uh, yeah, I mean, for, I... For the Oklahoma connection. Yeah, I was never a like big football guy or a Cowboys fan, but uh, you couldn't... The amount of starters, Cowboy jackets you would see in any part of the country around this time. Uh, they're America's team. As far as I know, no Dallas Cowboys member showed up on any wrestling TV shows in the weeks before. So, Kevin Green, you may have cost your uh, team the win that year by showing <laughs> up on a out. shitty Monday. Yeah. Or, I guess he didn't show up on Nitro. A clash. He, he showed up on a clash, that's right. A clash we can assume isn't that great because we didn't cover it. The main event was a tag match. We, can't, we can't be sure. I don't know the undercard. Maybe Conan and Psychosis just like fucking... Tore the house down. And I'd like to think that they did. I mean, they have in the past on individual matches. I, I can only imagine the two of them together were pretty incredible. But, you know, we'll just have to watch that on our own time if we really want to. Yeah, YouTube feeling, the match. You're feeling clashy? But since Shane's, Shane and Michael really aren't much of uh, the sports people, I also added this note. Okay. Just for them. I mean, probably more for Shane. Yep. But the TV show that would air... After the Super Bowl was the Friends episode, the one after the Super Bowl. Yep, season two. 
It would have cameos from Chris Isaac, Brooke Shields, Jean-Claude Van Damme, and Julia Roberts. I feel like I don't remember this episode, and I've seen a lot of Friends. It was never, like, appointment viewing for me, but it was on so much that I just, you know, have seen a lot of it as a kid. It was on TV all the time. Jean-Claude Van Damme was the star of Outbreak 2 on Friends. Uh, so they were in... They were in New York yeah, filming. For New York, uh, and Marcel was the, the monkey. monkey. Mm. Yes. Brooke Shields plays a crazy woman who is infatuated with Dr. Drake Ramore on Days of Our Lives, who is Joey Triviani's character. Yes. Uh, she shows up at his apartment because, you know, she's infatuated with Drake and can't understand how he's on TV and in front of her at the same time. Mm. And that's where Stryker Ramore, Drake's evil twin, Alter ego. is uh, created. You've got... Jean-Claude Van Damme, who he originally was sought after by Courtney Cox, but he had more of a thing for, I, I guess I shouldn't say Courtney Cox, by Monica, and he mm-hmm. had more of an eye for Rachel, so he went on a, a date with Rachel, which pissed off Monica, and it led the two of them to get into a little argument where marinara sauce is getting poured in bags, and sweaters are being destroyed, and Phoebe's, Phoebe's wanting to kick people's ass. Chris Isaac plays a uh, musician who... Sing songs. Stretch for him. Yeah. Oh yeah. He's, yeah. It's like a, a handsome musician uh, with a wonderful, wonderful uh, head of hair and an even better voice. Yeah. At this time, Matthew <laughs> Perry was actually dating Julia Roberts. Julia Roberts' character was working on the Outbreak Two set as one of the the makeup and costume people. Chris Isaac at the Matthew time. Matthew Perry dated Julia Roberts in real life. Mm-hmm. Fucking good for him. Yep. Like he's not an ugly guy, but he, he's not. Julia Roberts' level of handsome. I mean, this Julia, is like prime time Julia Roberts. Julia Roberts, I think, previous to this, was married to Lyle Lovett. So, oh, good point. Yeah, she had a thing for personality. Lyle Lovett has what we call a producer's face. Yeah, he's got a, <laughs> a real face for radio. Uh huh. Um, yeah, he kind of looks like like he could be Howard Stern's brother. Chris Isaac at the time was in a movie with Lisa Kudrow. Uh, um, I would say he was in um, Fire Walk With Me, but or wait, that was no. before. I've got that backwards. Lyle Lovett was in a movie with Lisa Kudrow around mm. this time. The yeah. big question here, though, I have. Hmm. Who's your favorite friend? Chandler? Uh, I guess that's my favorite one, too, but I don't know if I have... I'm not the friend's diehard, but right I, guess, I guess him and Phoebe are my favorite, because they're the like most... Comedic. I knew we were friends for a reason, guys. Yeah, like they're the they're the like the two funniest ones, and somehow I they're said that to my wife the other day, and she was like, "You would." <laughs> I mean, I like, what yeah. does that mean? Yeah. I mean, they're the they're the fun funny ones. They're not like you know uptight, and everyone else is pretty uptight. Yes, I mean, <laughs> like, yeah. Chandler speaks my my level of sarcasm in his day to day conversations. I love Phoebe to death. Everybody needs a friend like Phoebe. And she's in, like, I like Friends, but I think that I like Romeo and Michelle's high school reunion more than I like the Friends. So, I mean, and that's and she's great in it. She was basically Phoebe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, that was another movie that was out around this time. Because you had all of them somewhat trying to break into film at that same time. I know Scream was already out or being made at this time. Oh, yeah. You had Matthew Perry, who was... He did uh, analyze this, right? 
No, it wasn't Eliza. The, it was the whole nine yards. Whole nine yards, yeah. Mm. Like, he had fools rush in around this time. Oh, that's the one where he, like, gets, he's, like, supposed to babysit a guy's girlfriend, but he's, they're like, oh, but no, he gets I drunk. thought you were gay. No, he gets drunk and marries Salma Hayek. Okay, what's the one where they, like, assume he's gay? Mm. Like, I think it's Matt Dillon. Three to Tango. Three to Tango. Yeah. It's uh, him, Nev Campbell, and... Matt Dillon? No. Dermot, or oh, Dylan, Dylan McDermott, Dermot, or yeah. one of them. Dylan one of those McDermott, guys. Dermot, <laughs> yeah, yeah. One of those guys that, like, kind of, like, yeah, the Luke yeah. Perry, Dylan McDermott. You had... Matt Dillon, like, they have all that. It's like they could, you know, any one of those guys could play that role. So it kind of, it's like none of them, everybody knows who they are, but you can get them confused in your head. Yeah. I think this was also the Super Bowl where they had the Friends commercial with the Diet Coke whodunit thing where they were giving away like a million dollars or something like that to the person who had the winning bottle cap under the Diet Coke. It was a a big Friends year. A great episode that Crazy is still season a classic. Two. Season 2 popped that. The show popped off so hard that season 2 was the Super Bowl crossover. Yep. Pretty wild. No one takes longer for a show to really go off. Yeah. Well, let's talk some ECW. And we get last week on ECW. Tommy Dreamer and Shane Douglas are in the back with Tommy saying, A wise man once said, keep your friends close. With the franchise finishing the statement, but keep your enemies even closer. Dreamer responds with, Close enough to be my tag partner against Cactus Jack and Mikey? Question mark. And Shane agrees saying that Cactus Jack is all his. Tommy then asks what the conditions are, because, you know, they're not friends. And Douglas says that whichever one of them gets to a singles title first gives the other the first shot at it. Ooh. They agree upon the deal, and we get our opening package. And then we get Joey Styles welcoming us to the show, telling us that Raven has dispatched Jack and Whipwreck to destroy Dreamer for impregnating Beulah. <laughs> okay. Already, already laughing. <laughs> impregnating is like, uh, it just sounds so much, more, so much more vulgar, <laughs> honestly. It's like the right word, but it sounds so much so much gnarlier. Yeah, well, I mean, usually when you hear the word impregnating, it's like a 75-year-old conservative in a suit and tie or something Yeah, like yeah, that. Or, a, or an episode. Quit telling everybody about what I am. <laughs> <laughs> or, or, yeah, or, or like species. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Joey then sends us to some highlights from the evening. And we go to like the middle of a match when Hack Myers would hip toss Mr. Hughes before grabbing Damian Kane on the apron, allowing the roughneck to attempt to attack from behind, only for Hack to move, but Hughes would stop in time. Myers then would attack from behind, sending the roughneck into Kane. And rolling him up for the pin and the win. Damien Kane has now made $150 from ECW. <laughs> Woo! We then cut to Stevie Richards and Blue Meanie in the ring. And Stevie declares that he and Meanie will now be known as the Fabulous Ones. <sighs> before doing some dancing, such as the Fabulous Fargo Strut. I mean, they're really uh, just... Strutting. Trying to, trying to get into the craw. Of the ECW. Hissing some people off. We join another match in action as Woman is looking on when Too Cold Scorpio drops the bomb on El Puerto Requino for the pin 
And the win. I think El Porto might be the only lucha wrestler to just be ECW's ragdoll. Everyone else, it's like they've traded wins or like gotten some like respect from the crowd. He he is there to just eat pins and get thrown around. Well, Donnie Allen's probably retired, guys. I mean, yeah. very true. Donnie Allen is Donnie gone. Allen. I prefer El Porto Porto. for yeah, sure. Definitely. Oh. I mean, and it's funny too. It's like it's like oh, it's, he's the Puerto Rican Hurricane. <laughs> but it's fun to see. Where's the Broad Street Bully at, man? Who cares? Cactus Jack is now in the ring. And if you can't tell, the crowd will tell you. Cactus Jack, has, it's been rumored that he is leaving and headed toward, to WWF. And Jack says he will kiss the ass of Vince McMahon instead of Shane Douglas or Todd Gordon. I was like, is this where the Kiss My Ass Club got started? <laughs> I mean, maybe. Mix, mix an ideasman. I mean, Jericho thought of the money in the bank. Maybe maybe Foley thought of the kiss my ass. Jericho, you could argue, has too many ideas. <laughs> and Jack continues that the fans will continue to chant his name, even when he's wrist-locking Mabel. Which is the perfect line for him to say when I'm wrist-locking Mabel. It's like, nobody in this crowd has any strong opinions about or only has strong opinions about Mabel when they're negative and then you say wrist lock which could only elicit a boring chant from uh, this crowd unless that wrist lock is done by a Rey Mysterio and he is only using yeah. it to do or a flip. A wrist lock as you know, you're holding somebody waiting for a chair to be slammed into their head. Yeah exactly <laughs> uh, but yeah it's like ah, he knows exactly what to say. Perfect line. We get another match joined in action where we see Headhunter 1 deliver a moonsault on the bad crew for the pin and the win. I mean, holy crap. Didn't we just see these guys in the Rumble? Yeah, squat team member Cat. 1 and 2. That's yeah, I think, I, they, I think they're uh, like buds with Corny. Look at all the back and forth we've got going on here. But the uh, but the but that moonsault... Great. That was like it's like watching Abdul the Butcher do a fucking moonsault. Yeah. These guys both look like Abdul the Butcher, but with they have kinder eyes. They don't look as they don't look as they don't have crazy eyes like Abdul. And they also uh, do not have. They don't look like they're like wolf, like Wolverine of the X Men slash their forehead. Yes, <laughs> but yeah, we've got all these people that are just kind of going back and forth here. I like it. You've got. The headhunters who were just in WWF at the Rumble. You've got Mick, or, uh, Mick Foley, Cactus Jack, talking about going to the WWF. On our last one, you had Woman showing up. Or not our last one, but Woman's already shown up yeah. in uh, WCW. It's it's almost like this glorious. is our, uh, our, our OVW for the mid-90s. But we finally get our first match. Oh my gosh. Oh, hey. So we didn't count the other ones because, like, literally we see, like, three seconds of them. Yeah, I wasn't sure which ones to count. <laughs> but this one is the Gangstas of New Jack and Mustafa Saeed versus the Pitbulls of number one and number two with Francine. And Stevie Richards and the Blue Meanie are in the ring with the Gangstas and the Pitbulls. And Stevie's talking to Francine about how he gave her up for Raven, and he regrets it. Because remember, when Francine first showed up, she was his secret admirer. 
Yes, when they were making out in the crowd, I'm like, yep. who is that? And they hadn't even given her a name yet. She was our long, long-term booking Mar- Marlena. Uh, but she's now currently wearing a neck brace. Because of the total elimination that yes. the Eliminators gave her a few shows ago. And we were like, damn, Francine. Good fucking timing on your fucking flat back bump because that really could have just wrecked you. That's right. You made Sherry proud. Mm-hmm. Richard then apologizes for kicking Francine, claiming he didn't know any better, before bringing out a jar of fluff and talking about how he used to lick it off her stomach while they watched television, before putting some on his finger, which she sucks off. Yeah. Yeah. She didn't hesitate. No. uh, This is uh, gross Mm -hmm. thing for for me to say, but pretty sure that even though it's on uh, Peacock, the WWE Network, Two point big zero. I'm pretty sure there's a Francine nip slip. I was like, I'm pretty sure it's a nipple. <laughs> so maybe huh. you know they 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 kept an eye on the on the music. I mean, it's I watched on my phone, so quality's not I, I great or whatever. Tell. But I was just like, oh. Richards then asks Francine if she's pregnant, <laughs> but she gets upset about this question. I mean, she should. Followed by Stevie saying something that's censored. Was it censored on your video? Yes. Okay. Leading to him and Meanie being attacked by the Pitbulls. Pitbull 1 tosses Blue Meanie out to the floor before helping number 2 with Richards. When the Eliminators run in to help Stevie. Both Pitbulls get Stevie kicks before Saturn uses a chair on them both to bust them open. The gangsters, they're literally just chilling in the corner. Yeah, they're just watching. (laughs) Until they attack the Pitbulls from behind making it six on two at this point. And the music hits. And out comes 911, who climbs into the ring, chokeslamming New Jack, Mustafa, Perry, Cronus, Blue Meanie, and Stevie Richards to clean house. That's a lot of chokeslams. Absolutely, and Stevie Richards last, because he's Stevie Richards. Right. He's kind of almost the show. you got to save the most fabulous one for last. Absolutely, it clips forward to Todd Gordon and Bill Alfonso nose to nose, with Gordon saying that the Pitbulls versus Gangsta's match will still happen. And Fonzie starts swinging wildly, but Todd takes him down to the mat to beat on him. When Taz would arrive and look to attempt a suplex, only for 911 to stop him, attempt a choke slam, which the Eliminators prevent by holding on to the human suplex machine. The gangsters jump back into the ring to go back to work on the pit bulls. Oh, hey, yeah, there's still a match going on. While yeah. Taz jumps on the back of 911, choking him out. Yeah, there was an edit to like a like slight promo, uh, but there was, I guess, still a match going on around it. It seemed <laughs> like it might have been a new site. Everybody continues to brawl when Axel Rotten would run into the ring, only to be given total elimination. Thank God. Yep. 911 would finally break the chokehold and grab a double choke slam on Alfonso and the human suplex machine. Only for the Eliminators to make the save again, which just means they get to take the double choke slam instead. Pitbull number two has New Jack up on his shoulders, when number one hits a leaping clothesline to send him crashing out to the concrete. Damn. The Pitbulls then deliver a super bomb to Mustafa for the pin... 
And no, Fonzie runs in and attacks the ref. Can I say something? This is a lot. Yeah. There's a lot going on. Indeed there is. As Gordon jumps back into the ring. Two go back to brawling. Which brings Taz back to make the save. Only for 911 to grab hold of Alfonso again. The human suplex machine saves Fonzie again, ducking 911, grabbing for the choke slam, and takes him down with a single leg. All while the Eliminators had hit total elimination on Pitbull number two, allowing Saeed to make a cover for the pin. And, and no, <laughs> Francine attacks the ref to break it up. Meanie now grabs Francine, holding her for a Stevie kick. When Pitbull 1 would knock both Richards and Blue Meanie out of the ring, only for Pitbull number 2 to receive a chair shot from New Jack, allowing Mustafa to make the cover for the pin and, and the win. win. Post match, Alfonso and Todd and 911 and Taz would brawl their way to the back. And this would be the last time we see 911. Really? Wow. Crazy, unceremonious, like, because he was built up so big and, like, never had, like, a couple of matches. Just the enforcer. What happened? Him and Polly had a contract dispute. I mean, I can understand 911 being like, they chant my name every single show. Mm-hmm. You should pay me more. Granted, he's not worth. I mean, it's like. Talent-wise, he's not worth as much as Taz or Stevie Richards, but he's over as fuck. Yep. So was Goldberg. Man, the crowd... Also, Goldberg's not worth what a Bret Hart in WCW is worth, but who got booked better? Damn, he didn't even get one last choke slam on on Fonzie, huh? I don't think he ever... Did he ever um... choke slam Fonzie? If he, I think he did, well, like a, the day a, real, that, a real big one. I'm trying to remember, Fonzie allowed choke slams to happen. Oh, and that's then, right. Yeah, he was like, oh yeah, we'll allow it this one time. And, and then, then yeah, he, he got one on that day, but yeah, never got that one more. Well, here's here's looking at you, nine one one. I will remember you. Uh huh. Cue the Sarah McLaughlin. That's right. And the sad puppies. Mm-hmm. We then get some guy shilling merchandise. Does anybody have any clue who this guy was? Nope. I could not find any information on him at all. I'm going to guess it was, you know, somebody's friend or... Huh? Who knows? So out there in the Twitter Twitterverse, if you know... Tweet us. Tweet at us, because I had no clue who he was. We then go to our second match. Axel Rotten and JT Smith. Versus the Dudleys of Bubba Ray and Dances With, with Big Dick and Sign Guy Dudley. And Bubba Ray stuttering through his name. My name is. But JT would take the mic to serenade the crowd. But Axel doesn't want to hear that either. So he grabs the mic and hands it back to Bubba. Smith steals the mic away again to talk cheese sticks. But again, Rotten takes the mic away telling JT to just let the moron say his name so we can get down to business. And Bubba Ray stammers his way through his name again. So Smith once more takes the mic and shows Bubba how to take care of things in the family, smacking Axel across the head with the microphone. 
And the bell rings with Bubba Ray giving the thumbs up. Like, yeah, good job. But then he kicks JT and delivers a Bubba Bomb for the pin. And the win. And post-match, Bubba Ray does some dancing before we clip forward to Rotten chewing Smith out when JT would hit a low blow. Man, I'm down for Axel Rotten really getting hit by anybody or anything. As long as it's not him and his brother bleeding. Exactly. We get another match joined in progress where we see RVD, monkey flipping Sabu, followed by the homicidal one backbock dropping Van Damme over the ropes, only to land on the apron. Sabu would attempt a sunset flip powerbomb onto the concrete, but RVD would counter into a hurricanrana. We clip forward to see the homicidal one hit a baseball slide to send Van Damme into the front row, followed by an air Sabu over the ropes. We move forward again as a table is set across the guardrail before the homicidal one delivers an Asai moonsault through RVD on the table. Over the steel! Damn. I mean, commence ECW chant. Yes. Also, why is it RVD Sabu match? The one we get like three seconds of. And, and uh, we had to yeah. see this whole Dudley's thing. <laughs> had to see the whole Dudley's thing. Dudley's, uh, you know, I mean, Sabu's already over. RVD will obviously be over sooner than later. Bubba Ray's hot. People like Bubba Ray. He's already kind of worn out his welcome with me. But, but, but. At least that part of it. We cut to commercial, but when we come back, we're with Joey Styles, and he hypes up the two title matches that are still to come, which leads us right into our third match, Cactus Jack and Mikey Whipwreck versus Tommy Dreamer and Shane Douglas with Beulah for the ECW World Tag Team Championships. Hit the road, Jack. But the champions are already in the ring, so they're out first. Foreshadowing. Mm. Like you said, crowd singing. So, like I said earlier, the news has gotten out. He is definitely leaving. So Cactus Jack whips Mikey into Dreamer, but he just bounces off, and Tommy helps whip Wreck back to his feet before turning his attention back to Jack, which kind of offends Mikey. He's like, I'm in this match too, bro. Yeah, dude. Dreamer's taken down by an arm drag and a pair of head scissors. He goes for a third one, but transitions into another arm drag. Tommy then fires back with a clothesline before bringing in Douglas to continue the punishment with strikes, elbow drops, and chin locks. Shane continues with turnbuckle smashes before being tossed over the ropes to the floor, where the franchise follows out to hammer away. Douglas gets a chair from the crowd, but Dreamer stops him from using it on Whipwreck. Basically being like, don't use it on him. Use it on Cactus Jack. Yeah, yeah. And there's that moment, too, where, like, Mikey's right there after taking some blows, and Cactus does not reach his arm out to tag. It's like, oh, obviously this is the point where you would tag out, because beginning of the match, keep him fresh. We're not building to a hot tag this fast. I mean, you know, that's the wrestling uh, psychology, but it would still just make sense for him to do a quick tag so Mikey could recover. But no. Shane challenges Jack to come out to the floor, only for Mikey to kick him into the railing and whack him over the head with a chair, sending the franchise into the crowd, followed by a chair shot to Tommy as well. 
Whipwreck would then climb to the top rope, and he would fly out into the crowd with a somersault senton. And, you know, Mikey might be small, but he's crazy. We skip ahead where Cactus Jack has the mic, saying they don't need chairs to beat Douglas, challenging them to a real wrestling match. And Jack starts working over Shane with forearm strikes, goes to charge in, only for the franchise to leap off the second rope with a clothesline. And Cactus Jack also does the extra thing where it's like, well, the crowd knows he's going to WWF, but he calls Shane Douglas, who just came back from a failed attempt, a never will be. Which is, you know, Cactus Jack. Mick Foley just being uh, the good the good smart man that he is. Douglas keeps up the attack with a drop kick, a snap suplex, before kicking Cactus Jack out to the floor, where Dreamer joins in by sending Jack over the railing into the crowd and breaking a Nintendo over his head. Yeah, it's just a NES. I mean, you know, it's the it's just sitting around. We're rocking Sega years. I think the PlayStation came out in 95, 96. I don't know if anybody had one yet, but uh, we're just slamming fucking Nintendos over people's heads now. And those we, things, uh, we had them. They don't weigh nothing. <laughs> After a low blow, Tommy rolls Cactus Jack back in, then grabs a mannequin torso to use over the head of Jack to send him <laughs> back out to the floor. I love that. More mannequins in ECW, please. <laughs> Dreamer then hits a chair-assisted baseball slide to the face of Cactus Jack before rolling him back in. Only for Jack to get to his feet first to gain control with stomps and chokes, which is broken up by a Shane chair shot. Mikey then jumps in to steal the chair away, so Douglas goes to brawl with Cactus Jack out on the floor, where the franchise is sent into the ring post and dropped with a swinging neckbreaker. Posted. We move forward where Douglas slingshot atomic drops whipwreck onto a chair before delivering a clothesline, which busts him open. And Shane plants Mikey with a delayed vertical suplex as the crowd chants, Dean is dead. Dean is dead. Another jump forward to where Mikey is tossed the Nintendo in the ring, where he sits it down on the mat, only for Jack to run in to knock Dreamer out to the floor from behind. But the franchise then just rolls him right back in. <laughs> Whipwreck would then deliver a DDT to Tommy, Onto the Nintendo. Which is so nasty because it's like, well, they have the spatial intelligence to know, like, where the mat is. But, like, the Nintendo is, like, you know, three and a half, four inches tall and, like, a solid piece of hard plastic that it's like, oh, my gosh, so much could go wrong there. You're just, like, compressing vertebrae. I wonder if they're getting, like, any sort of money from Nintendo for, like, free advertisement for this. No, No. Nintendo doesn't even know this ever happened. (laughs) We get another jump forward, and Raven jumps in the ring to spike Dreamer with a DDT as well. And Joey tells us that Raven had drenched Tommy with hairspray just moments before. So he's blind on top of being out of it. Ah. So Cactus Jack, Douglas, and Dreamer, they end up all converging in the same spot. So Tommy mistakenly DDT Shane. Oh no. Son of a bitch. Allowing Jack to make the cover for the pin. And no, the franchise kicks out. Douglas would reverse Cactus Jack's double arm DDT attempt into a hot shot into the turnbuckle before nailing Jack with a chair shot over the head. Shane would then set a chair up in the middle of the ring, whipping Cactus Jack to the ropes, only for it to be reversed 
allowing Jack to drop toll hold the franchise into the chair, face first, making the cover for the pin and, and the, the win. win. We go to commercial, but when we come back, we got Douglas in the back saying that he brought the extreme to Cactus Jack in Philly. That it was all by his design that Jack would smash his face into a chair. And on February 17th, we're going to get it on Hardcore and Extreme. Which means that match will be at CyberSlam 96, (laughs) which we'll cover in a few weeks. We go to another commercial and come back to Joey Styles talking Sandman and Woman. Saying that they are having problems as Sandman is not happy with her business decisions. I mean, showing up on another company's TV shows, probably good for her. I mean, yeah. A little bit. Potentially good for him. And during interviews earlier in the evening, woman would refuse to light Sandman's cigarette. I mean, it's all downhill now. Can't even get her to light a cigarette. Probably won't even open a beer. Yeah, she's on some, uh, she saw breakfast at Tiffany's. I mean... Macho Man, Sandman. <laughs> yeah, another like, you know, the Breakfast at Tiffany's, ECW, Diane. <laughs> Matt's upset. So we go to our fourth match. Raven with Kimono Wanalea, Stevie Richards, and the Blue Meanie versus the Sandman with Woman for the ECW World Heavyweight Championship. And Sandman and Woman continue to have problems with Joey saying it's because she wants to include Randy Savage and Hulk Hogan in her stable of wrestlers. I mean, that's good company, Sandman. Well, I literally was like, don't you mean she wants to include the Sandman in her stable of wrestlers with them too? Yeah, yeah. Sandman's leg drop would even make fucking Hulk Hogan cringe. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck. We skip it. We skip ahead to miss all of uh, Sandman's entrance, and we see him hitting several cane shots across the back of Raven before planting him with a DDT for a two count. And Raven is busted open. More cane shots when Stevie and Meanie would enter the ring to get caned as well. You get a cane. You get a cane. Raven finally steals the kendo stick away and goes to town across the head of the Sandman with it when Dreamer would roll into the ring to deliver a low blow to Raven before using the kendo stick as well on him, followed by a DDT for good measure. Cactus Jack is now in the ring, and he get, hits a double-arm DDT to Sandman. And Tommy and Jack brawl it out on the floor, even dragging Blue Meanie into the fray. When the franchise arrives as well, all while Raven is making a cover inside the ring for a near fall. Dreamer would send Meanie into a bunch of loose chairs near the entryway. Ouch. While the Sandman is whipping Raven chest first into the corners several times before body slamming and smashing a chair across his face. Sandman would head up top only to miss the leg drop allowing Raven to hit the DDT onto the chair for the pin And the win. And new! And I have to point this out. Hmm. Raven is wearing a Melvin's t-shirt, who are my favorite band. I was like, hell yeah. (laughs) 
that's pretty cool. I mean, it's really lame that he comes out to uh, the offspring, but he's rocking a Melvin's t-shirt. That's fucking tight. We get another commercial, but when we come back, we return to Raven and Kimona in the back. Raven says he got the girl, he got the gold, and he doesn't need Beulah, and never did. Never did. Which kind of seems to annoy Wanalea, but she leaves with him anyways. And see, I was looking at her trying to figure out... Did she become somebody? Was this somebody in the future? Yeah. Yep. She was only an ECW. That she was, was basically a dancer that was friends with Raven. Yeah. She has like a face that does not allow emotion even. I don't know how you caught up on that. She has such a blank face all at all times. She kind of rolls her eyes yeah. when he says yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, when, yeah. when he starts talking the, the about The eye roll, yeah. That's true. We go back to Joey who seems to agree that maybe Raven is lying to himself before sending us to footage of Woman and the Sandman after the loss of the championship. And Woman has the mic saying it's okay that he lost. In fact, it's great. Because now he can come with her to nationwide television. LOL, like WCW, it would fucking hire Sandman. Yeah. Spoiler alert. <laughs> they do at some point. Uh, it's crazy. I, what the fuck are you going to do with this guy? Call him Hack. <laughs> and woman wants him to come to WCW with her and Sandman just says he's the king of extreme and has loyalty to ECW come with you and sign guys sign behind them says woman a bigger pussy than Shivani damn fuck those are fighting words bro I know uh, man like it's still it's still untrue Tony Giovanni is the bigger pussy. <laughs> we clip forward where Woman says she made him and she can break him. Followed by Sandman asking who she thinks she is. When Too Cold Scorpio would make his way out. While Woman is dumping out Sandman's beer. And Scorpio starts asking how much money Woman is talking about. He's all about the money. But is then given an ultimatum on who he will choose. And Too Cold just says he's not getting any ass from Sandman, then points it to Woman, but then fakes her out and stays with Sandman in the ECW. He goes, I'm going to go with, turns and points to Sandman. They hug as Woman leaves the ring, and they tell her to leave through the back door. And then Scorpio runs out and grabs her and carries her out of the arena over his shoulder while the fans chant for Sandman in the ring. Too Cold comes running back out to hug again as we get credits before fading to black. Mm. So I ask you gentlemen, what are your overall thoughts of ECW Hardcore TV? It's kind of nice that they like cut what could have been a laborious pay-per-view watch into like, oh, well, here's all the important stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because it's just kind of basically like promos in-ring promos with act, with some action. Like, literally the frenziness of this episode, like, kept me locked in. Yeah. yeah. And the two main event matches are actually pretty good, solid matches, even if they are clipped up. Yeah, yeah. Agreed. It's one of those things, like, like I said, if this was an hour and 45 minute or two hour, two and a half hour ECW pay-per-view, we would probably be just like, Oh my god, everything took so long, but they got all the important bits in uh, with an, with an energy, and 45 it, just, minutes. it just kept going, so it's like, oh, on to the next thing, 
without like cutting to Joey every time. It's just like, oh, all right, well, now this is happening. Now this is happening. So it had a very good, strong energy that matched the craziness. Yep. I mean, basically kind of the same thing. It had some good matches here. It had a lot of a lot of clippiness. My only real, oh, man, was that Sabu and Rob Van Dam were one of the clipped up ones, so we yeah. didn't really get to see what the two of them were capable of yet against each other. But We, we do know we'll see plenty in the future. Yes. We'll but, yeah. but, you know, that was one thing where I'm like, oh, okay, well, it must have not have been that big of a deal. Yeah. It must have been kind of a teaser. Good. Where, where's the smart marks at? All right, fuck you. I think it's time we smart it up. So what are some of the best moments of this show? Cactus Jack is just doing such a great job of healing it up because he's the biggest baby face when he wants to be. And considering that even when he's a heel, you know deep down people still love him, but they appreciate how good he is at being a heel, so they react to it correctly. Yeah. Um, I'm used to seeing you know, too much of the WCW version of Cactus Jack where... He never really got to follow through on a lot of things, and it was just great to see him be that smarmy type of heel instead of just the crazy guy, you know, him playing the the WWF card and almost having that I'm better than you attitude. It was was a fun little change-up, just because that's not something I'm used to seeing from him. So his, I'm going to go up there, I'm going to kiss Vince McMahon's ass. And yeah, and put Mabel in a fucking wrist lock. Wrist lock, yep. Yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. The headhunter moonsault. Yeah, point, the headhunter moonsault really blew my mind. I was like, how did he do? We've seen a lot of big guys do moonsaults, but that is the biggest guy we've seen do a moonsault that yeah, also this, doesn't this, look like he this has dude any is muscle. Bigger than Vader, and we were impressed when Vader was doing moonsaults. Yeah, and this one was like it was picture picture perfect for definitely for his size but we've yeah. seen worse moonsaults from too cold in the past yeah. Yeah. dear mabel take notes <laughs> mabel, <laughs> mabel could be i don't know it's hard to tell who's bigger because mabel's always covered up and this is probably going to be an unpopular opinion cat but the whole gangsters pitbulls stevie blue meanie that whole segment yeah I loved it. It was incredibly entertaining because, because they, it just like literally was like, oh, you want to see someone different? Okay. Yeah. Here's someone different. Here's someone different. Here's someone different. And it just like. I think it helped it that just it was kept, cut. It just kept coming back and forth to different combinations and yeah. just like people just coming in and out. And it was just like, okay. Cool. I, think, I think the cutting helped though. I mean, there was really only one cut I forward guess, on that in that one. Really? I guess so, yeah. I just remember so much of the show being cut up that I'm like, oh, well, they had to have cut that to make it interesting because <laughs> I've seen them do things like this that take forever. I mean, basically, 911 choke slams everyone and then it cuts forward to yeah. Gordon and Fonzie and then everyone, it starts all over again, basically. Yeah. With, I love the moment where the... Uh, Taz and 911 doing their thing. The moment where the gangsters are just... They're just hanging. chilling they're in just the chilling, Just watching. Yeah. Just like, yeah, whatever. We'll let them figure it out. We'll come in when we need to. I love Mikey being pissed off that that Shane and Tommy like were just like, okay, kid, like, whatever, yeah, yeah, whatever. We're here for Cactus Jack. Being discounted by really all through all three men. I mean, the only thing, I mean, I get the finish because it sets up Douglas and Cactus Jack's match at SummerSlam. Yeah. Even though Douglas being like, ha ha ha, I tricked him into hitting me with a chair to 
so he's extreme. Like it's he, all part of my evil plan. Yeah, like, yeah, you planned on getting hit in the head with a chair. Cool. Ooh, yeah, how smart. I think I would have like as pissed off as Mikey was at the beginning of this match. I think it would have been great if Mikey would have been the one to get the pin. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Just for the sheer fact that like they're like, oh, this guy's nothing basically. Yeah, yeah, but the thing is, is like, oh well, we're trying to, we're, we're working uh, Cactus Jack out of there. But yeah, I know. Like as far as what would make more sense or be more uh, interesting, and Raven being slow, like slowly built up. Over the last year, now he's their champion. Yeah, should be fun. It'll, it'll open. It'll open some different matches, hopefully. Yeah, and we might actually see Raven wrestle. Yeah, because we haven't really, and he's just kind of that's the thing that he's been doing is like, oh, I have my my guys. Like basically, you just got a series of bodyguards, and he just waits for them to do the work for him to come in and pull off the you know DDT. About most disappointing. I mean, I think the only thing disappointing is just not getting to see the RVD Sabu thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because this moves so quick, it's like, ugh. Like, you know, even the headhunters, they made sure we got to see him do a moonsault. So I mean, literally, the headhunters and two Colt Scorpio, we saw do one move in the yeah. entire match. So it's like, that's really all I need to see in those matches. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like that was. So when, I appreciated, like, like I said, the those moments were worth worth cutting to. Learning, I mean, this is both, I guess, disappointing and surprising, but learning this is the end of 911. Yeah, that's, I guess that's my most surprising because I didn't obviously not know at the time, but I was like, oh, really? 911's gone? Yeah. I mean, I didn't realize how big of an impact he had on ECW during its heyday, but I, I guess I didn't realize he wasn't around for that long either. I mean, yeah, he's one of the biggest, like, Stars, if you can call them that, like that is created by this yeah. company, and he just homegrown baby unceremoniously. I did mention that was the last time we would see him, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's like, why he, we're surprised. He doesn't, he doesn't that's why up, we're so surprised. He doesn't go anywhere else. Yeah. So that's why it's so crazy because, like, he's been they could have put that belt on 911 at any point in time, basically, and people would have been fine with it. Yep. It would not have been smart or cool, but they could have. That's how over he was. Nine one one versus Sandman matches. Ugh, gag me with a spoon. <laughs> Yikes! Choke slam, Kendo. Choke slam, Kendo. I'm a best performer of the night. It's hard. Everybody, it was so so clipped that it's like, well, I mean, I don't know. Stevie always does a great job. I love Cactus healing it up. I think Cactus probably. Yeah, he's gonna get my vote. Cactus was good. Bubba was fun. I mean, Bubba's always fun. It was it was nice to see Raven have his moment. Oh, but I'm sure we'll have more, plenty more Raven moments. Absolutely, plenty. Most surprising. I mean, already mentioned the 911 thing. Yep. That and the headhunter moonsault. Because I was like, <gasps> and then also that it looked good. Because I was like yeah. afraid, and then I was like, oh no, it was great. <laughs> yeah, I'll throw the headhunter on there too, because. A, I didn't know that they were. I'd say Nintendo was a weapon, but that's kind of back. like Nintendo was a uh, weapon. Like literally, when I saw the Nintendo, I was just like, "It's like that's that's fun." Yeah, it's like oh, surprising, but only for a split second. You're like, "No, of course they did. They used everything else. We ran out of stuff. Now we're using Nintendos." Making their way to the ring, 
It's trivia time. Uh oh. So Where this week, the category is what happened when. What happened when? What happened when? So I'm gonna give you the name of a show. You are going to give me the main event of that show. So five points if you guess the main event without multiple choice. If we go to multiple choice, it's three points. So you have that option. But the show, and ring in using your name, the show is WrestleMania 9. Eh. Shane. Okay. WrestleMania 9, the main event. And that's a tricky one because there was a listed main event, but there was a main event that happened afterwards. I was afterwards. thinking too, I was like, oh, I mean, there's... So, I mean, should I just say the, the combined main event scheduled think... for the card was Bret Hart versus Yokozuna, but then it spun into immediately after that Hulk Hogan versus Yokozuna. I'll give you the points. You got both of them there. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like it's like yeah. I was I, looking for Hogan versus Yoko. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I would have I would have done the same thing that Shane said. So I was like, oh yeah. I'm like I don't want to have to fall no. out on a technicality. I was, I, was, I was like, shit, is it eight or nine? And then I was like, fuck, brawl. And then you went, and I was like, ah. <laughs> that one would have been silly if it went to a multiple choice. Yes, yes, it would. <laughs> We, we should never go to multiple choice on WrestleMania 9s. Or WrestleMania. Yeah, WrestleMania, all? but 9 yeah. for some reason is obviously memorable because, like, uh, it's like Brett's first go at it in an unceremonious loss where Hogan steals the glory. That sounds like a pattern. Yep. Mm-hmm. One of these things is exactly like the other. Next week, Big Apple Blizzard Blast. It sounds delicious. What was the last? Uh, what was the last? The name of the last uh, New York ECW show? Uh, that was the no. It wasn't House Party. That was a Philly. It was the one last year in '95. Yeah, Holiday Hill. Uh, that sounds right. Is that it? Okay. Yeah, I wasn't sure if it had any, any New York. Uh, like I know it wasn't Gangsters. I don't think it was Gangsters Paradise. No, it was Gangsta's yeah, it was Holiday Hill. I'm, just checking. I just for some reason feel like they'd have had a you know, I guess it was also winter there then, so you know, wasn't yeah. that long ago. It was still snowy and cold. But music from this week's show is Dragula by Rob Zombie. Five five no. I mean yeah yeah that's <laughs> the song. And Raven won our main event, so we play his theme music. Come out and play Ugh. by the offspring. Still couldn't be more disappointed than the guy that wears Ministry and Melvin's t-shirts. But you got to keep them separated. I know. That's right. Oh my God. It's like that. He's a, a crummy, a crummy pop punk band, and he's wearing like fucking like you know metal and and uh, industrial shirts and stuff. He's like got a goth grungy vibe. Those are the offspring. I don't believe it. Hey. They, they, they sing about their non-existent fathers in their own way. Yeah, whatever. If you like this episode or any of our other ones, go out there and rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcast at. If you have any questions, comments, concerns... Recipes, drink ideas, snacks, or, you know, you just, you just, you just want to talk, you know, chat, send us a message, slide into our DMs. Maybe you watched uh, that Clash of the Champions that we did, and you're like, guys, yeah. it was really good. 
like, okay, let us know. Maybe you have a copy that has not been clipped of one of the matches that we uh, <laughs> covered on this show. Shoot it our way. Uh, Heyman has it somewhere. His parents I'm basement. sure there's a fan cam somewhere. Uh-huh. I don't need to watch. <laughs> but you can do that by sending an email to WrestlingHistoryX at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at WrestlingHistoX. That's Wrestling H-I-S-T-O. X. We'll talk to you next week. Laters. Separated. Hey!